Do you want the secret to becoming a profitable entrepreneur? It's not working 80 hours a week. It's not missing out on all the fun stuff in life. It's not feeling overwhelmed or burned out. While becoming an entrepreneur does require hard work, don't get me wrong, it's not what's going to make your business successful. If you want to truly become a profitable entrepreneur, you need to learn how to master your mindset, evolve your skills, and market your services to your ideal customer. You must commit to mastery, become the best at what you do, and never stop learning. Becoming a profitable entrepreneur is 100% possible, and I will teach you how in my free five-day workshop, Profitable Entrepreneur. I want, you to, I want to personally invite you, podcast listener of mine, and you can sign up. The link is on the description of this podcast episode. See you there. This is How She Owns It, a podcast dedicated to female entrepreneurs and those visionaries who left their 9 to 5 to own their time, their finances, and their joy in life by building their own businesses. I'm your host, Pauline Malabai, digital business strategist, director of operations, and agency owner of PMC, where our mission is to cater to visionaries with strategy, coaching, and implementation support. Each week, I give business wisdom and chat with other CEOs on how they are owning their happiness in life. Tune in to find out how to move the needle forward in your business and fully step into your role as CEO. Hello, friends. Welcome to How She Owns It, a podcast dedicated to female entrepreneurs and boss moms who left their 9 to 5 to own their time their finances, and their joy in life by building their own businesses. In this episode, I have Jocelyn. Jocelyn Kopak. Hi. Hey. Yeah. That, am I saying that hey. right? Kopak. Yeah, you're Kopak. close. It's, you know, different inflection, but it's close. <laughs> I love it. So she's a serial entrepreneur, and, you know, I don't like trying to give my guests justice by trying to explain what they do, especially the extra talented ones that do like multiple businesses. <laughs> Jocelyn, would you like to tell us yeah. all your different businesses and your main focus at the moment? Definitely. So my name is Jocelyn Kopak and I am a, by definition, a serial entrepreneur. So I actually own a three different online based businesses. I have an amazing team that helps me with all three. And so the three businesses are a marketing agency, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, consultancy. And then uh, my last business is business coaching and how to scale your business with a team. So that's what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. <laughs> I also do a lot of like, I don't know, Netflix binging, <laughs> my dog, <laughs> that kind of stuff. But that's what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. And I absolutely love it. I think that's like the sad part about working online is that Netflix is only a click away. <laughs> I know. I know. Somebody asked me, they were like, well, do you have Netflix? Do you have, and they were like, listen, I was like, yeah, I got them all. What I'm looking for. I love it. I love it. Okay. So I absolutely love the fact I, I'm a massive, you know, diversity and inclusion advocate. Mm -hmm. I am Filipino background, but I was raised in the UK. So what mm -hmm. made you, First of all, what made you kind of start heading towards diversity and inclusion um, space? Because a lot of people don't know much about it until obviously quite recently when there's a lot of, there's been a lot of things related to race. You live in America, I live in the UK. So it's kind of like a different, different, but the same. I always say different, but the same kind of um, attitude. Yeah. 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 We came from the same place. Like our, both of our cultures came from the same place. So what really made me start looking into it was in my previous life, I like to say, before I was, you know, I really had stepped into the entrepreneur self that I am. I thought what you need to do was be an adult and go get like a corporate job. And yeah. <laughs> that's what you needed to do mm -hmm. um, because that's what, that's what showed success. Mm -hmm. Which I mean, looking back, I was I, I was an entrepreneur my whole life, so I don't know what I was thinking. But hey, you know what? Young and stupid. That's what I like to say. But I was in HR, so HR training, HR development, 
recruiting. I mean, literally between all the jobs that I had in HR while I was still in corporate varied, right? And what I was seeing is a lot of HR departments would bring me on or businesses would bring me on because I'm a beautiful affirmative action check mark. I'm prior military, I'm a woman and I'm black. So mm. like they really could just, you know, make a big giant X and all the boxes yeah. by hiring me. And it, it came to fruition that I realized this on my second to last corporate job that I only lasted two months at. I was like, this is so not for me. And it was because they hired me for from next. And I was like, wait a second, that's not how this works. Like, that's not how it's supposed to work. And I started doing a lot more research into it. And then I started actually teaching other HR departments of other companies uh, what I was learning and it just kind of snowballed from there. Uh, and now that I'm in the entrepreneurial space, especially in the last few months, we've seen a lot of businesses deal with cancel culture and just crazy, you know, audience generation. Like it's just, they're disappearing because of what they're saying and how they're acting and what they're doing. There's some ways that you should do things, even if you don't necessarily know what you should be doing. And so that's how I kind of reinvigorated my love for DEI is I was usually doing one or two workshops a year. And now I'm doing a mastermind, a six month mastermind with a bunch of business owners on how to deal with these hard issues, these hard yeah. questions with their team and their audience. So yeah, I that's, that's I guess that. in my journey there. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I can definitely relate. Like I left a corporate job. Actually, my last, um, the, the last role that I was in, I was the only person mm-hmm. of color. Like I was, and it was hard because we went on an offsite. We went to Morocco for an offsite. It's a small team. Yeah. You know, I had, I used to work at Google and I was a facilitator for um, an initiative called I Am Remarkable. I delivered that program in the city of London, like an investment firm. And people were like, oh my God, this is so good. You're just an intern, but you're, you know, all about diversity and inclusion. And I'm just like, because like, I have actively did my best to learn about these issues and try to have empathy yeah, for people, exactly. especially in the corporate environment. Everyone's like in this veil of personality, have different, this veil of personality. And then in, in my last role, when I was delivering this I Am Remarkable, or facilitating rather, this I Am Remarkable workshop, I could really sense this like resistance. Some people have this resistance and they get very defensive. I don't know if you've seen the men, the, the mean Karen, there's always a Karen in an office. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think some people, yeah. um, some white people, let's just be, you know, let's just cut to the chase. They get really offensive. And one of my colleagues, I remember her being like, Oh, so just because I was born in like the wrong, the wrong like family, which meant, you know, born white, that it was almost like an attack to her, like doing a diversity and inclusion workshop or like talking about these issues was almost like attack on her. And it was just this really strange thing. So I think what you're doing is really, really important, especially during this time. Well, and I think, I mean, you brought up, you know, there's always that one person that's really defensive. And for me, that really came home when I was, while I was building my team for my marketing agency, a team of 12. And so, right now, probably be more by the time this launches because we can't stop. Anyway. Um, I can help you out. <laughs> right? As I was looking at this team and, you know, we've got mothers from mm. like, literally we, at one point we were boasting that we were in every continent. Our team members were, we had one from every continent. We don't anymore, but it's hard. Time zones um, are hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. But we still have people from literally all over the world. And that really creates a lot of friction when it comes to cultures, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, in America, we think and probably the UK to the Westernized cultures like that. We think you need to go and figure it out yourself versus yes. some other Yes. Asian cultures, they like being told how to do something, yes. right? Versus yes. here in America, people are like, you're a micromanager. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, exactly. And so there's mm-hmm. some huge cultural clashes mm-hmm. there. And we, and I had to work through them as the leader of my business, right? Absolutely, and, and as yeah. I was working through them, I was realizing like, first of all, I'm not the first and I'm definitely not going to be the last that has to deal with these things. But there's a lot of people that don't know how to deal with it at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I can, I can definitely vouch for that. My team is also across three different continents and I am really kind of like lucky and, and lucky in the sense that I actually did my degree. My bachelor's degree was in anthropology, which is the study of different cultures. So I was already hyper aware that, you know, there's a level of, (laughs) your your hair okay? (laughs) There's a level of sitting. I have really curly hair. So I'm like fixing my curls. (laughs) I love it though. I love, I love curls. People will be oh, so jealous of that. 
yeah, there's definitely a level and I completely agree with that. And so, you know, if someone's, I, I always make my podcast really, really educational and really add value to the listeners. Yeah. So if someone's listening to this and they're just like, oh yeah, you're right. I did hire a VA from the Philippines and yeah, she does a really great job, but I feel like I have to like give her an SOP and like really take it, take her hand and do it step by step. Like I'm so, it's really frustrating. Yeah. The yeah. end, the deliverable is there and it's great. But then how she, do, how I have to tell her yeah. is like so different. Yeah right exactly what would be your advice yeah excuse me what would be your advice for those for someone who's listening to this and like resonating to it yeah before you even start hiring I like I mean I ask people a few questions like like, oh I need to hire someone and I'm like okay wait a second there's a few things and the first thing I ask them is just what kind of business they have. And then I ask them what they want their management style to be, right? I'm incredibly flexible. I mean, I think (laughs) Polly knows this because before we even started recording, I was like, I mean, I'm an open book, ask me whatever, right? And she's like, that's not what I want to give me more information, right? And so (laughs) I'm incredibly flexible and I try to be incredibly flexible. And so my team, we are, hence because the leader is, it really truly very flexible, right? Mm-hmm. And some people just can't deal with that. Their mental health deteriorates. They just they just don't have the the patience okay. for it. They have okay. kids they need to be flexible with, so their team okay. needs to be a whole different right. Yeah. And you have to stop and think about how you want your team to run. Yeah. And then you have to build it so that it runs that way. Right. If you know that if somebody's messaging you five times a day about the same task, you're gonna like slowly boil over, then that's not something that you can have in your business, right? You need something that's extremely self-starting. So you have to look at that and then you have to start looking at and this is where you ask questions. I mean, there's nothing wrong with asking a question, right? Especially when it's coming from like you're not coming from a place of malice, you're coming from a place of ignorance, right? So start asking questions googling and asking other people that have hired a diverse team you know Mm -hmm. this is what I'm looking for it can I hire someone in the Philippines Mm -hmm. like is that you know and and sometimes it's a yeah but you have to find the right person and sometimes it's a no because you want somebody on you know 8 a.m to 8 p.m cst time which is the middle of the United States right like that's really really hard because if you're in the Philippines that's like nighttime like that's like complete sleeping hours for them so they have to work nights in order for right and that's stuff that you have to look at So I I like to take an in-depth approach before you even start looking for applicants because then you can easily place your job description or what you're looking for in the right place to get the right kind of applicants. The other question you have to ask yourself is how much can you afford to pay, right? You can only afford like $8 an hour, you're going to have a problem um, hiring people in the U.S. Like you're going to have to find very special people here in the U.S. Depends in the state. Some states have a minimum wage of ten, fifteen dollars an hour. Some are seven, right? So you have to you have to check that out. Versus eight dollars an hour in, let's say, the Philippines is really actually pretty decent money. So mm-hmm. you have to also weigh that against how you want your team to run. Yeah, it's a lot. I know. No, it's <laughs> so great. I talk about this for no, I love years. it. I love it. No, 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 I love it because it gives so much value, right? Because I want. I want this podcast, to, this episode to be all about how do you hire a diverse, inclusive team? Like, so I, mm-hmm. I always, I did this yesterday with one of my guests, so Melissa, and we, she basically coached me. She want, she's a coach and she yeah. coached me in live and I said to her, okay, so awesome. yeah. do that to me now. Like, okay, if I go up to you and I say, okay, Jocelyn, I want to grow my team. I want, you know, a copywriter, because I also I have an online business management agency, so mm-hmm. I want to hire a copywriter, someone who can design websites and some light coding. Mm-hmm. I'm really big on female empowerment, so preferably all females. I'm really big on mm-hmm. diversity, so I want diversity of minds, diversity of backgrounds. But at the same time, yeah. I'm not a micromanager, and I want them to be proactive. What can you do to help me? Mm-hmm. What where should I start? I I really want to be like an anti a proactive anti racist you know, agency. Yeah. Yeah. I tell people over and over being a proactive anti-racist centers in your personal education and action. I literally, I mean, I talk about it because that's what I do, but I'm not like, I don't talk to my team and go to like my account manager and be like, do you feel included? No, because it's just built into how my business works. Everybody knows they can come to me and they can tell you, tell me, Jocelyn, you really screwed the pooch on this one. This is bad. Like you did a bad job. And so there's this, in, this inclusiveness of, we all take responsibility for what we do. 
And how I built that into my team and how I recommend others is when I interview people, I put them through a series of, you know, tests. Okay. And not like written and, you know, (laughs) multi-question, multi-answer tests, but like, you know, I, I say, okay, you've all applied and I send them all the same three, every single applicant gets the same three questions. I don't even, I don't, I don't care about what their resume says. I don't care about what they, you know, as long as they fit the parameter of what the job is, because I am really open to training people. So there's that. As long as they fit the, what the parameter of the job is, I send them all the same three questions. Now, what are three some questions? people will come back. Three it depends questions. on the job. It right. really depends on the job. Uh, questions like, what are you looking for in pay, right? Super simple. They should already know that they're looking for a job. How many hours are you willing to work? You know, what is your favorite time zone to work in, right? Because I, I have a team that's across the world, right? So I, I want to know these things. So those are some of the like more blase, like <laughs> basic ones that I ask. And then it depends on the job. Sometimes I'll be like, you know, what is your process? Like if I'm hiring a designer, for example, like graphic yeah. or web or whatever, content creator, I'll be like, you know, how, how do you pick out colors for a client? Right? Like what, what is your, how do you, how do you think about that? right? And it's like only a two or three sentence answer, really. I mean, it's, I Google what they do. I Google what other people do. And then I kind of like match it up, right? That, that would be an answer for me, right? But I send them these three questions and there are people that legitimately can't read through a paragraph and answer all three questions, period. Like, and those people, I know for a fact, if they came on my team, they would be fired within a few days because that's Mm -hmm. not how we roll, right? And so those people are automatically out. Like they don't even get asked to come on an interview, so that's my first level, like my first level test. And then I put them, it depends on the job, but I put them through a few more. And it's not even like, like fill out this application or, you know, it's not that kind of stuff. It's literally, can you follow directions? Can you, can you stop and think about it for yourself and do it, right? And that's what I'm looking for on my team, because on my team, when you come on, you automatically get our trust automatically period you don't have to earn it we don't have to go through you since you got hired you obviously were the best for this role for whatever reason you automatically have trust and so you can lose the trust but you don't have to gain it and so that's how we do it and that's what I would recommend when you start building your team to stop and look at at what you're going to do as like tests and not even and I I hate using that word but it works right to see if people are going to pass right Uh, and the second thing I did that really made a huge huge difference, huge difference in our culture and our team is as people were being interviewed, like on our actual Zoom call or, you know, whatever phone call for the interview, we started going over our company values and that started making a huge difference because people kind of started weeding themselves out when we started talking about the company values, because I mean, for a bunch of reasons, maybe they, they don't, they don't match it or they would, they would kind of come back and just reiterate what the company value is versus, you know, kind of making it their own. I mean, there's a bunch, a bunch of things in there <laughs> that I look at and it it's comes over experience. I mean, I think I've probably done a thousand interviews in my time in business. So, and that's just because. Yeah. Coming from HR, I was going to say, yeah. I, I actually, yeah, exactly. Nope. And so we go over that. I, I actually wanted to ask mm-hmm. you this because I was uh, pitching yeah. proposals, you know, for, for the bit, for my business. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions was, it's really funny because I was next to my housemate and it was like, what does diversity and inclusion mean to you? And I was like, can I shoot a video? Do you want a whole hour lecture on this? <laughs> and I was yeah, like, I like, how much can I tell you? How much can I tell you about this? And then right. I, my housemate was like, oh God, that's a, that's a really lonely question to ask someone. And I'm like, yeah. And they wanted answered in like three lines. <laughs> so I was like, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, you can, you can do that. I, I, I think you probably could, but it does constrict how you answer things I don't like constricting people like that if I say short I want to see what you think is short you know like I don't want to necessarily so it really is based off the business but that is interesting that they would ask that question because I don't ask that question ever um reason being is because it's biased when you get hired into my company (laughs) exactly you're gonna you are going to have to toe the line period. Like we don't, we don't play when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like we don't deal with drama. We don't do, you know what I mean? Like all this other stuff. And so I don't ask that question. I just make sure that they understand that we work with clients that are A to Z. So like when I sit down and I hire someone for the agency, I mean, we have a client that's a sex and intimacy coach. 
like you got to be so pretty pretty okay with yourself to be able to write and like create for sex and intimacy coach right mm-hmm. so i'm like we have a client like that and then we have we have my business which is standing your bias and i was like we deal with diversity equity and inclusion issues and we mm-hmm. talk about stuff as it happens right and so we have to you have to be completely okay with that and i i lay it out that way and if they start being like well you know i wouldn't want to be able to i couldn't write for the sex and, intimacy, and i've had people working for me that said that and that was a red flag on my part right because that means you're emotionally not mature enough. You haven't done enough research, whatever that is. And that's just something that we don't, we, we don't play with on our team. Yeah. So I think that, I think that's an interesting question to ask, but it would be to me, you know, if I was to ask that question, I would be looking at someone to deal with my HR or something like I, I mean, I don't even think I would ask that question because to me, DEI is all in the action, not in what you say. Exactly. Like, I can totally yeah. say yeah. that I think that all blank should do blank, right? Like I can yeah. say it doesn't mean that I'm actually going to act or yeah. live that sentence. So yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, I- and it does create a whole lot of this, right? Because if you think the yeah. same way I do, then of course I'm going to hire you yeah. versus you think it, about it a little bit differently could, I mean, cause there is no really wrong answer there. Like, you know, you think about it a little bit differently, which could potentially help the company with more than one view. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The other thing I was going to ask you was, what do you think, if I was a hiring manager right now and I'm listening to this podcast, what, what questions, like general questions do you think would be effective? So one of the things that I like to ask is you mm-hmm. sent a confident you send an email a confidential email to a different client what do you do mm-hmm. you know because i feel like for me knowing their actions kind of i get to see at least you know if they have integrity if they're gonna admit to a mistake yeah kind of thing but what what kind of you know top top questions generally you'd like to ask whether that be in the first application pro- yeah. first filter or in the interview process mm-hmm. Yeah. So I ask a lot of my questions during the interview process and I've tested out, you know, the standard, like, what do you do outside of work? And <laughs> like stuff like, I mean, I tested those out and I've found for me and my business, the best way for me to test somebody is to actually have a conversation with them and okay. interject examples. So like, for example, you have a list of upcoming tasks. Some are client tasks, some are internal tasks, and you're going to need to prioritize them yourself, right? What would you start with, right? And just, just to kind of see, you know, do they say that client comes first or do you say, no, I'm going to get my internal tasks done because I want the business to continue to grow. You know, how do they, how do they think, right? So there's, you know, the questions like that another one would be, you know, one of our, one of our company core values is personal growth, personal growth, not, not career growth, personal internal. Right. And so we actually, when we have meetings, we talk about what you did to improve yourself, like (laughs) not the company, not the job you over the last month. Right. Or year six months or whatever whatever it is right and so in my interviews I actually talk about what's the last thing that you did to improve yourself like mm-hmm. it, it could be anything right and and I've had people be like well I worked out this morning and I made myself you know get out of bed and like you know do some yoga and yeah. I've had people answer that and I'm like love that freaking killer right and I've had people answer well I read this book or I watched this YouTube video or I took this course right mm-hmm. um, and it just kind of shows the level of commitment somebody has to growing themselves as an individual right, right? because yeah. business can't grow if the individual doesn't grow that's just absolutely how that works, right? yeah and it gives you a good indication of how self-motivated and proactive exactly. and hard-working exactly. well and i've had people not be able to answer that question like legitimately not they're like um um, um <laughs> i brush my teeth we can move on <laughs> right and you're like uh, that's normal adult task right so like i ask questions like that I mean, I've asked questions um, for jobs that are are more salary-based, right? You know, you have an allotment of time to do X, Y, Z task. takes you twice as long. What do you do? Lovely. Right? Like, because your salary, so you have to get your job description, you know, for lack of better word right now, to get, you know, everything done that's in your job description. So your salary, that's part of the deal. But now you just 
you know, took what should be a four hour task and turned into an eight hour task and all the other stuff fell by the wayside. What do you do? Right. Mm -hmm. And and just to see if they maintain good communication, if they have a passion for what they're going to be doing, because if you have a passion for what you're going to be doing an extra four hours and shit, like, okay, cool. Like (laughs) moving on. Right. If they're going to exhibit leadership and be like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to delegate this to another person on the team because I, I can't get it done right now. And I know it needs to, whatever that is. And I look at, I look at that, but that's, I run through my interviews as a conversation. So I don't actually ask those questions. I have a conversation with people Absolutely. Um, and I'm like, yeah, so this is what happens sometimes, you know, uh, and then I wait to see what they say back to that sentence versus asking a question. Because to me, when you ask a question to someone in an interview, you are loading it. Mm. right? There is a right answer. Whether they know it or not, there is a right answer versus for me, it's not necessarily a right answer. I just want to make sure that you fit within our core values, right? Yeah. And I'm going to, that's what I'm weighing it against. Thank you so much. Like, I think you're really dropping some gems here. I think our listeners are really getting getting some wisdom. I love it. So let's take it as, let's get, let's get a, let's step it back a little bit. So you mentioned your values, right? If, if there's people, and I know the ideal clients are the ones who are just yeah. you know, growing and scaling up their business. If a business owner, in my ideal listeners, business owners who are thinking of scaling up and they're thinking, oh my God, I, don't even, I haven't really, in all the chaos of being a business owner, I haven't even, even thought about my, my values. Like, what are my values? What, can you give some advice on how people can start to think about how do they create their business values or their values for their business yeah. or their company? Um, one, Google. Google's your best friend as a business owner. I don't care what you're doing in your business. Google it, okay? Cheaper than any other way you can do things. Less right? than $40. Right? Less than, my less than $40. If it's less than $40, I'll pay for it, right? <laughs> but uh, no, what I, literally how I started with my core values, because I mean, uh, core values for me is like honesty, right? Like I, I really like integrity. Did that make yeah. my core values list? No, no, because I was, I thought about it and I sat in it. I was like, you know what? That's just what I expect out of people. Like yeah. I, it, it's not a core value. If you're not honest, you're not a person that I even want to be associated with. So it's not even a core value that is something, a step above what I expect out of you as like a normal functioning human being right? <laughs> like, you know, like an adult, what are you supposed to be, right? And so that's kind of how I waited against because I expect my team, honestly, I pulled my team, which is not a very good HR move, but hey, we're very close like this. I pulled my team for ages. I was like, who's, who's, who's how old? Who, how old are you guys, right? Because we were having this conversation about DEI, right? And I was like, you know, we need to talk about birthdays and ages and, right? And I mean, usually in a normal corporate setting that's so totally against the rules (laughs) but we were using it as as a training technique and I was like you know most of my team I think we only have three people in their 30s everyone else is in their 20s and so that that really makes a big difference on how our team functions right Uh, I think three people on our team out of the 12 are mothers, right? And we have an all-female team. You know, only a few are actually married. No, I think only one is married. Maybe two, two two are married, right? So that helps build up our team. And so I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, those values when it comes to time and things like that, those change based off of where you are in your life, right? And so I'll tell you my company core values. My first one is entrepreneurial spirit. And I talk about it as a mindset. Not that you want to eventually go build your business, but a mindset that you are actively seeking out change, right? And that's not something that every normal functioning human being is okay with, right? We mentioned at the beginning, you're like, there's people that literally hate it. Like they feel like it's a personal attack on them, right? And we are a small online-based business. I mean, literally yesterday, we, we completely switched everyone's job descriptions. Everyone, every single person on the team. Like nothing that they're going to be doing a completely different job, but like some got honed into this is the only task you have to deal with. Some got moved a little bit so they have to deal with a couple other tasks. Some got stuff added that they've never even heard before because we know where we're growing, right? So that, that is something that's huge. They, they can adapt to change. So that's my first one. Second one is personal growth. 
And like I said, that's the looking for ways to recognize their own failings and continue developing their potential, right? And I think that's important as a person because as you continue to grow and go through the seasons of your life, you're going to look at development in completely different ways. I mean, when I was in college, I looked at development as networking and knowledge. And now that, you know, I, I've got this business conglomeration going on, you know, an I empire, an empire, girl. Say it how it is. I have I know, an empire. Right, girl. I got, <laughs> I got myself an empire. Like, you know, uh, now I'm looking at my personal growth and going, how can I best deal with my own internal mental health and yeah. mindset and leadership to make sure that my team feels good, that I feel good, right? So, you know, that, that switches as, as, you know, you go through the seasons of your life. Professionalism, that's not like, make sure you're wearing a bra on a Zoom call, because honestly, we don't care. <laughs> you know, like, we don't care if you're wearing, you know what I mean? Like, what you're wearing. What we care about is your conduct, behavior, and attitude, right? A high regard for your reputation, work ethic, and excellence, right? Yeah. I, I literally could care less what you look like when you hop on a Zoom call with me, pretty much. Like, I mean, as long as you don't have a giant zit in the middle of your nose or something, like I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm not going to mention it, but like, you know, like I, I want to be sure that you have that ingrained willingness to build on your work ethic and make sure the reputation is just killer. Like we literally celebrate in our team every single time somebody says something good about us. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's just one person they're talking about or the whole team. It doesn't matter. We literally celebrate it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because we. That's, that's one of our big things, right? Um, the fourth one is competitive drive to succeed slash productivity. Um, we just say productivity to kind of make that easy, but creating and setting and achieving goals, right? Which is hard for the normal functioning human being, right? That's a, that's a mindset. That's a, a way of life that some people don't have, right? And then the last one is performance and efficiency. So making mm -hmm. sure stuff is done in time. We really, really stress the minimum amount of effort, right? If you can do it in two hours, don't do it in four. Like, why? <laughs> right? And so we stress that. And that's not something that normal corporate companies stress is minimum amount of effort. They want you to, you know, do one task over, over a month. No, 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 no. We want you to get that task in and out and done and as quality as possible as quickly as possible. Like there's no reason for you to spend time because that's, that's not how we have our pay scale set up. Right. So, but that's, that, that was all stuff that went into like my planning of how I wanted my team to function. Yeah. Um, and it took me a really long time to get there and finding that a lot of other business owners don't have their team functioning the same way as I do. <laughs> yeah. I've, re yeah. I've recently started an internship program because yeah. I said, okay, I'm not quite ready to hire in the same way that like, mm -hmm. you know, committing to a contract or whatever. But I have a lot of coaching experience and I know I can give back a lot. And I know a lot of people are like, you know, suffering right now and are really wanting to build a portfolio up. So I've been hiring a lot and I've got a strong team now. And mm -hmm. I'm realized, and what I've tried to really do is just all the bad things I experienced in corporate, bad bosses, bosses who had no idea what DNI mm -hmm. is, bosses who didn't know how to talk to a woman, bosses who didn't know how to talk to a Filipino, bosses who didn't know how to talk to anyone that was, you know, not in the middle class, not in the rich class, yeah. you know. And I've just completely went the opposite. <laughs> like, that's how I kind of went with my values. I was like, okay, I'm going to be a boss who gives people grace and kind of walk them hand in hand if, they're, if, they're, if they don't quite get, get it the first time around and make sure they don't make the same mistake twice. And people mm -hmm. who you know, give people grace if suddenly, because I, I have a mom interns as well, if, if suddenly their, mm -hmm. their son is like ill and have to go to the hospital or like you're having a bad day or whatever. Yeah, life. Life yeah, happens. Life happens. Yeah. I think that's, that's how I did my values. It's literally, my values are very similar to yours. It's, it's you know, giving people mm -hmm. grace, pers um, relentless lear learning. I love people mm -hmm. who love learning. I am a complete nerd myself. So, and and people who are fun and have a life. <laughs> Even though sometimes yeah. I don't feel like as a business owner, I have a life because <laughs> I absolutely love business. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, yeah, I don't mind working around the clock because for me, this is really fun. It's better than I'm building, exactly. building my empire, right? That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So um, thank you for giving all those tips. I think it's really, really great. I want to hear a little bit more about yeah. your journey. I, I told you I was going to talk. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, I always tell my guests, it's like, don't worry about talking. This is why you're in the podcast. You're all good. <laughs> right? be, I know. I know. <laughs> you asked earlier, you're like, do you like podcasts? And I was like, I love podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Can I talk some more? 
So my journey as in my businesses or what, what, where, where guess, do you want me to start? I got, yeah, I guess <laughs> I got, I got some stories. I, mm -hmm. I, I think for me, I would really love to know your road to like building an anti-racist business. Was it quite like you mentioned, you know, you used to hire from all over time zones. Yeah. So you're not anymore. Like you kind of like, I always like, I always advocate for women to not, as women, sometimes we strive too much for perfection. So the more we talk about yeah. like the nitty gritty challenges, the nitty gritty mistakes that we've made and like how we learn from it, I think it's, it's really important for me. So I'd love to know, you know, all the kind of challenges that you had to overcome, the mistakes you made and, and, and you know, on yes. the road to building anti-racist business. So I live in the middle of the United States, the Midwest of the US. <laughs> and so... I live in the state of Wisconsin and there's black people here, but not very many. <laughs> like they're like, they're kind of centered in the cities. Like we've got Milwaukee, Madison, and then we have Chicago, which is obviously not in Wisconsin. It's in Illinois, but those are our three big cities. They're like a triangle. Right. Uh, and so there's a lot of black people in there, but everywhere else for the rest of Wisconsin and Illinois, it's relatively rural, right? Like Wisconsin's known for their cheese because we have so many dairy farms. So just like keep that in mind, okay? And so I grew up legitimately thinking that I was Caucasian. Like had no clue. <laughs> like I think back and I'm like, I was such a weirdo. Like what was I, right? And the first time um, I ever ran into someone that like definitely made me feel that I, I was not like just one of the kids it was this little girl and I was at space camp yeah I was that kind of nerd I went to space camp and this little girl that had gone with us like from like the state of Wisconsin delegation that went down and she was like my daddy said I can't talk to you because black people are stupid wow. I was like whoa wow and like, I mean I've always had this like innate self-esteem like I don't give two shits what you have to say like yeah. really and I'm brutal and I remember looking at her and be like, well, your daddy's wrong. And like walking away. Like, oh, I, like, I, like, I like, you know, a lot of kids probably wouldn't have said that, first of all. And second of all, like, it didn't even phase me. Like, it didn't hurt me. It didn't, like, nothing, right? Um, like, I was just like, mm, okay, well, it is what it is. Like, moving on. Then, so that's, like, one of the I can remember, I think I was in like sixth or seventh grade at that point. And that's one of the first times I can remember that somebody was like, no, you're definitely different. Like, and that's, you know, fine, whatever. And uh, so my family growing up was, ex is, is extremely conservative and extremely Christian. Um, and so as I continued to grow, I joined the military. I got off the military, had corporate jobs, whatever. Um, as I continued to grow, I started to realize that life wasn't as black and white as mm everyone said it was growing up like I was yeah like, uh that's not yeah. how that works like now that I'm an adult it doesn't work yeah. that way like, I think like, that's I how you know it. that you're an adult when you realize that and you're like oh my god so my parents are not smart that as smart as I thought they are they have their own flaws yes. and they're all dealing with whatever like this yeah and <laughs> I mean I think everybody no matter what color you are what that yeah. kind of comes to that like my mom isn't the smartest person ever yeah like, what? like <laughs> right and so I started coming into that and as I was coming into that I was I was in corporate at that point because yeah. and and I was dealing with these people that like for example were hiring me to to mark a check yeah. um affirmative action checkbox and I was like what the hell is going on like this is not this is not how I was raised like you just hire someone because they're good at their job like that's just that's yeah. how you hire them right and so that's really what pushed me into DEI and doing more in um research and at the time I was doing a lot of business consulting. So I, I built my first business, my first ever business to a six-figure business, a service-based in the music industry. And people were like looking at this little black girl, literally, I shit you not, they still use my picture to the day at the college I went to. And I've been out of college for like five years. Um, oh my God, <laughs> but the, the they, prospects, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, uh -huh. the brochure picture. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, because mm -hmm. yeah, I was this little black girl that like was oh. like this, like, entrepreneur right and so people started hiring me to consult on their businesses and as I was doing that I was noticing they weren't setting their businesses up well for diversity and not just for color but moms been in the military not been in the military like gone to college haven't gone to college had a good home life had a bad like all of that stuff builds up a person on who they are and it counts as diversity and they weren't building their businesses to be able to deal with that and in my perspective when you don't build your business be able to deal with now not saying that you have to deal with like 
ex-cons, right? Like that's the diversity you can deal with. That's okay. Don't build your business to deal with it. But they weren't building their business to deal with anybody that was different than they were. And that's where you start running into issues. And so that's how I really got into DEI and actually training on it. And a lot of people at that point in time, it was huge to figure out how to deal with millennials because the millennials, and you know, they were horrible and they can't work, you know, and how to deal with millennials. And so I was doing a lot of training on DEI when it came to ageism, right? Like how do you, how do you deal with millennials? Right. Mm -hmm. And now obviously it's, it's kind of, we're kind of over that because the millennials are the ones hiring at this point. <laughs> oh my so God. But yeah. 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 So that's, that's kind of how my journey kind of came into mm-hmm. and, and how I kind of realized that, I mean, I, I am different and I'm, I'm different, not just because I'm black, but because of the way I think about the world and the way I interact with people and, you know, that how I build things and how I teach. And so that's kind of how I, it all kind of wrapped up into, into this little, DEI stand in your bias bubble. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And it's so oh, important. Yeah. It's so, so important, honestly. And I didn't realize how little was done in a DNI space. I mean, obviously with the Black Lives Matter and all of that, it's kind of been upturned. But when I was, I remember when I was in Aberdeen, um, I was in a city in, in the finance hub of London. God, people were like so amazed. Like, who is this intern? But it was just like, but for me, this is just right. like kind this of brown. Oh my god. It yeah, was actually, actually insane. I, I, yeah, every morning I listen to the news and I listen to news sources, all the news sources. Like I don't I don't pick one and I listen Kudos to, to you girl because I can't I've stopped listening to the news. My mental health can't take too much well, of it. Well, I only listen like I listen to the like it's the little blurbs. Like it's like a 15 minute podcast okay, yeah. like of the news from that person. So I don't listen to all of it because I don't care. Like, I don't care who stabbed who and who shot who and where, uh, no, none of that yeah. local shit. Yeah. But I was listening to the news and I listened to the Bloomberg PL podcast mm. and they did a whole, I don't know, it was probably about a week back now. They did a whole interview with this black guy that had made it to the C-suite mm. on Wall Street. <gasps> like, he was like, how? He was like, <laughs> There, there was a time not so long ago, he's like in the last 10 years, where I literally could name every black person that worked in Wall Street. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't think I could necessarily do that now. He's like, it'd probably take me a little work. He goes, and I was like, oh, shit. And they were talking about, in fi- and they talked to people that had made it in like the high level finance that that is, that of a diverse background, usually of a color, right? Because that's mm. obviously the first kind of diversity people see, right? And then people that hadn't made it and what they had done then instead. And here in America, we're, we're coming into this new, it's, it's not new, it's redo. It's a redo for Black families to start becoming more middle class, buying mm. homes, having generational wealth, that kind of thing. Because mm. um, we were there about 60 years ago and then people got pissed and so then we weren't there anymore. And so, you know, and, and one of the ladies that had, that was talking said she, you know, she was in finance on Wall Street, absolutely hated it. It like spit her back out. Uh, and she went back home to DC. I think she lived in DC and she started, she's like, I started my own finance like business yeah. to help other black people because black people don't know that they can go get this stuff because it's just not part of the culture here at least here in america right and and so that's what she did she's like so i learned a lot and it spit me out because it was not ready for my diversity but i got to go home and she's like that's not exactly what i thought i was going to be doing with my life but i know i am making a difference it was really cool i mean speaking for the united states there's a lot of industries that do like spit people back out if there are any any kind of diversity right like not just not just black and white you know but any kind of extra extra diversity especially like moms with kids like mm, that's that's a rough one too right so yeah and it's frustrating and it's hard because it's really really difficult you know I have friends who I know they mean well but they do think I don't know if you've heard of Stormzy like Stormzy's like a grime artist he's a grime artist he's very famous in the UK yeah okay yeah Stormzy Mm -hmm. he's been known uh he's been doing really great things for the black community here in the UK and you know I was talking to a really old friend of mine like I think it was last not even last year like two years ago and we mentioned that Stormzy was giving scholarships for black students to go to Cambridge University very very prestigious very expensive And I, I, and then me and my friend, my friend is, is a mixed race Indian and the other friend is, is, is British. 
And I said, and then we, we were talking and I was like, oh, did you hear about Stormzy and the scholarship to Cambridge? Because we're all, we're both, we're all, all three of us were from Cambridge. Mm-hmm. And the white friend was like, yeah, it's racist. And I was like, what? What? That came out of nowhere. <laughs> and I was like, what? what? I've known you since I was eight. Are you all right? And, like, and me and my other friend who was, you know, mixed race Indian, it was like, no, it, you know, it's giving like those in underprivileged backgrounds so, like a chance to go to Cambridge. And mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, it's, all, it's only for black people and it's racist that's racist and we were like um <laughs> and it was like this awkward kind of like is this yeah. how people sometimes see affirmative action i think you call it affirmative action i can't yeah. remember what well, we call it here well here here in the united states affirmative action has been proven to be i mean really it really made a difference for white women right that that's really who it made a difference for a huge difference for everyone else not such a great thing but when it comes to uh, the thing that I, I hear, I hear people say racist all the time. Mm. And it's not, the thing is, it, it, to me, in order for it to be racist, one, you have to be in a position of power, and two, you have to mean it maliciously. Like, you, ha- you have to mean it so it's a negative, so, right? Yeah, intention if, is so important. If you are just yeah. saying something ignorant as shit, you're not racist, you're biased, maybe bigoted, but you're mm. not racist, right? Mm. Because you don't know, like, who cares? Who cares? Who cares if that's what you think? Because honestly, it affects my life zero, zero. Mm-hmm. It affects because you have no power over me, right? And so when I hear people say that, and I hear a lot of white people say, "Well, like Black Lives Matter is racist," and I'm like, "Well, no, maybe a little bigoted, right? Because you're putting one over the other. Fine, mm-hmm. but." it can't be racist because it really doesn't affect you. Like it's yeah. like they have no power. Over yes. Like yeah. What it, right. Yeah. And so I think one of the biggest things that I, at least I advocate for is changing the language and actually learning mm-hmm. the right words to use versus like every, you know, racism or racist is like this big hot button word right now. You're not mm-hmm. being racist. You're being bigoted. You're being biased, right? By you saying that you like to date black men over white men you're saying that you have a bias to black men it's mm-hmm. not saying that you're racist against white exactly. dudes you just yeah. like black dudes more like yeah it's okay, yeah right? so important and so i think that's a that's a big thing because you it, it's okay to be biased it's just you have to realize that you are so that yeah you exactly are in a position of power you don't turn it into a racist type situation a exactly. negative situation because you have the yeah absolutely yeah unconscious bias training is another buzzword and it's what i was trying to really advocate for there's very few organizations that does it properly in in Mm -hmm. um in the uk i'm sure the us is a whole different ball game there because you guys are so huge as a place so yeah absolutely i i I love that i just want to go back to a point because it really stuck to me when i was still at university before before we wrap things up because i can talk to you for hours because i love this this kind of stuff probably yeah um but But I know your time is precious and your day is just starting. So when I was a student, I actually, one of my mentors mm-hmm. was a black woman. She's Nigerian descent. Uh, and she moved to mm-hmm. the UK when she was, she went here for university. And she's now an mm-hmm. executive. I met her while she was in Bank of America, Merrill Lynch in London. And then mm-hmm. I interned yeah. there and then I, I met her and then she actually moved to become an executive director in Goldman Sachs. And I interviewed her in a different podcast, mm-hmm. my first podcast that I've got. And one of the things that caught on to our earlier in our conversation was when you said, you know, you felt like you were just, you know, a tick in a the box. They just hired you because you were, you know, a tick, a uh-huh. diversity hire, what we call it, a diversity yeah. hire here. And mm-hmm. she told me that. I, when I interviewed her in her podcast, she said, a re, an executive director at Goldman Sachs told me in my face, in her face, sorry, in her face, that mm-hmm. you are a diversity hire. And that's the reason they hired you in, Do- in Goldman. How do you deal mm-hmm. with that? Especially as a black woman, you know, like how? Yeah, for me, I was just like, peace, I'm out. <laughs> and actually, it, and, and I know for a fact, uh, just, just to kind of give the story, they hired me because they were looking for a contract, which they did get, with the University of Wisconsin. That's oh, wow. Because they, they didn't have enough diversity in their business to get a contract with with UW because in order to do that you have to have a certain diversity quota because the university is very very big on DEI now not saying that they're good at it but you know they try (laughs) right so that's exactly why they hired me because they couldn't get this contract without more affirmative action ticks on their list right and I literally lasted two months and how did you find out like they weren't well because they hired me as their HR coordinator (laughs) Uh, and me being the nosy person I am, I went back and looked at all of the applications <laughs> for my job. I love 
no way in the hell would I have hired myself. No way in heaven or hell. The only and I was like, and when I, they hired me, because I applied for this job and they look were looking for 10 years of experience. And I was like a year and a half out of college. And I was wow. like, yeah, so you really count everything I was doing in college, but like not like you know adult professional experience. And I was I was super like pumped that they'd hired me, and I was like I must have asked for way less money than everybody else did, you know. And it just made fiscal sense, and they were fine with it. But really, what it was is they were making this hire not because they really wanted somebody to come in and work on their HR and and everything. They made this hire because they wanted a glorified executive assistant, really, that okay. marked off some diversity points for them and so I only and and the thing is is and honestly it wasn't because I was black that I didn't last it was because I was military that I didn't last because nobody was getting that (laughs) like I was like this is not this is not my my people's and so literally I don't know it was probably six or eight months after that I spoke at a conference in Madison and the executive team the CEO and CEO whatever they were all were at this conference and they came to talk. So I was talking about DEI and they came to my talk and they walked in and they saw that I was the presenter and the looks on their faces and they got up and walked out. <laughs> like it was my like the most like gratifying <laughs> moment. For me, I was like, in your face. Yeah, I'm presenting at this big conference here in Madison. Suck it. You wanted to learn from me, and then you realized who I was. And I mean, I was like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, happy dance. No, I love it. I love, love, dance, love, love that. Yeah, so yeah. that's, that's yeah. how I knew how I knew I was a tick. I mean, because I yeah. was the nosy one. And then I actually was parked next to their, like, secretary what I mean she was the person that welcomed everyone into the building and but she did all kinds of secretarial work and stuff and I was literally didn't even have a desk for me that's how much they weren't ready to hire someone oh my god which honestly I didn't care because I'm not I'm not weird about that like I don't need my own office like do I love having my own office now totally but like I didn't I don't need it right and she was a big mouth so that also kind of solidified the fact that they were looking for a yeah. diversity hire. <laughs> I advocate for yeah. people of color and minorities, not just people of color. It's not just about race, of course, yeah. but like any minority to be as nosy as possible because actually I'm really, I'm really, really passionate about the pay, like not the getting rid of the pay gap. Mm-hmm. I have people said to me, oh, the gender pay gap doesn't exist. And I'm like, I'm going to cry because I'm so frustrated with this with this fact that people keep telling me when it's not true and well the only this is my thing to me the only reason it it exists is because people especially women do not walk up to you and be like you know what i want twenty dollars an hour not ten fuck that's what i want and like they aren't taught to do that so to me i have never i actually always and now i shouldn't say always but in most of my jobs i was getting paid the same if not more than my male counterparts i was like i'm working yeah. Whether you want me to come work for you or come to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people don't have the cojones to be able to Exactly. And the reason that I'm always, I, 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 the reason I'm saying, like, please, please, please be as nosy as possible. Try to get other people's pay, make, make friends and with your colleagues and really be transparent yeah, about, yeah. about pay. And I'm really transparent about pay. I always tell people, yeah, like, talk. I think everyone should have some kind of pay transparency transparent pay everyone corporations small businesses everyone especially in the online business world where there's so much range between different continents obviously because of life uh living Mm -hmm. standards as well is because one i was in i was with a friend who was uh, in sales and she had 10 years experience of sales she's she's um older than me she was uh 30 30 Mm -hmm. something and we were in the sauna and she said to me like i just found out that i'm earning 30k I have more experience. I'm, she was new to the company. I'm new, but I just mm-hmm. found out this woman was earning 10K more. She was been in the company for three years, but she has less mm-hmm. sales experience. Plus my friend was, had more commission. Like she was selling more than this girl. Yeah. And then she went to HR and she said, okay, so I just found out this fact. The first thing that HR asked her was like, how did you find out? How? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. that tells you that the structure, well, the structural US. racism exists because my mm-hmm. friend was Pakistani, you know, she's, she's mm-hmm. British, but she's Pakistani. And I'm like, 
okay, so this colleague of yours, was, was it a guy? And she's like, yeah, it's a white guy. And I'm like, there you go. There you well, go. Well, this is funny thing. Here in the United States, it is illegal to fire someone over finding out that their pay is less. Like, that is not how that works. Like, yeah, she wasn't um, fired. She wasn't fired, but she came up to HR but, and she and was trying to negotiate. Yeah. Here, at least here in corporate, I think it's probably pretty much in every westernized country corporate you don't talk about how much you make like that's just not that's like tough. Yeah. it's like religion and politics and how much you make. don't talk about it right? and actually here in the u.s i ended up looking it up at one point maybe it's changed but i looked it up at one point and it is actually legal for you to ask everybody that you work with how much they make now whether they tell you or not it's up to them but it is legal and it, it's actually illegal for your business to tell you that you can't do that because yeah. you totally can so yeah, um, and so oh, what I please. did actually in my business, just for the listeners, what I did in my business is everyone gets paid the same, yeah. no matter what country you are in. So I don't care really what your, I don't, I don't care, you know, how much your living standard is. I, I mean, I do uh, in the sense of like, I want you to live well, but like, yeah. not like, oh, well, you know, $200 a, a month would, would make you live well versus, yeah. you know, the same person doing your same job yeah. in the next country over thousand. Like, it's racist. Not, I don't do that. I was telling my intern. Well, and to me, to me, I am so incredibly open. Honestly, mm. my team's going to hear this. And they're going to be like, wait, where is it? Like, if they really wanted to see what everyone's pay is, it's like on the Google Drive. Like, yeah. I have a sheet. <laughs> like, yeah. That's how I get, right? yeah. But, and that's yeah. the other thing is I was like, you know, if anyone ever finds this, because I'm not hiding it. Like, I'm not, I'm not making it public knowledge, but I'm not like hiding it. Yeah. If anyone yeah. ever finds this, I want them to feel good that like the same person next to them doing the exact same job is getting yeah. the same pay as them. Yeah. Now, if they get promoted, if they get more of a managerial, that's a little different, right? They obviously go up and pay, but that's how I did it. And the thing is, is one, it makes um, accounting really, really easy. Because if I know I'm going to be hiring someone new, everyone starts out at this wage, period. Like either you can take it or not. If you can't, then you're not, you're not starting with my company because I'm not paying you what, you know, somebody that's been here for a year is getting paid because they are trained. They're good as hell at their job. I don't have to worry about, you know what I mean? So, and so that's how I do it. I mean, that's part of, part of how I set my, myself up because I wanted to be sure that if somebody ever found out it wasn't an issue, first of all, and second of all, that we set this standard of you come into the company and you grow period. And that is, that is what you're supposed to be doing. And that's what I do. But like, you, you can't just come in and, you know, hit, yeah. hit the next scale. So that's what I did. And I just found the best hourly because everyone starts out hourly with me. I'm not salary. I found the best hourly to start everybody at. Why is um, that? Because I was chatting to my, I had a team meeting and we were all discussing about pay because, you know, it was all contractors and all the other girls. One of them is Indonesia. She's Filipino, but she's, she's based in Indonesia. Some are in Turkey, some are in the US, some are in Canada, some are in the UK with me. Yep. And she was like, yeah, our, she, we were all complaining. Like one of the girls was applying for a job and she was complaining about like, you know, $10, $15, which is like mm -hmm. the average VA salary is like 10 to 25 around that range, 10 to 30 yeah. around that range. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. And then my, and then the, what the Indonesian based one was like, what? Ooh, I'm like, what? it's like $3. <laughs> it's like $3 is a lot of money for me. And I'm like, that's insane. Like you're doing exactly the same job as someone else in the Western world, getting the same deliverable, you get paid $3 an hour. That's racism. I'm sorry. Exactly. That's racism. Well, and the thing, this is my thing. I am all for finding the cheapest person to work for you as long as they get the job done. All for it. Go for it. Have fun. That's your job as a business owner because the, yeah. then you can grow and then you can pay more and you know, it works out. That's your job. But I literally, and you could ask anybody on my team, because I ask it like every six weeks, because I'm a forgetter, because I don't write this shit down. Why don't, I don't know, I should, but I don't. Um, <laughs> how are you doing with money? Do you need more? What do you need in order to live? Yeah. Literally, I ask that question all the fucking time like because I want to be sure that I mean I'm expecting a lot of you when you come work for my company right I'm expecting you to cover whatever your range of job tasks are right but at the same time you should be expecting me to then provide for you and make sure that yeah. you have a comfy lifestyle right right so I have people in Bangladesh Pakistan Philippines Costa Rica here in the U.S. Uganda and South Africa I think I think that's all of them. I think that's all the countries. I don't know. We had Australia there in a while. And so, um, 
So what I found is eight dollars an hour starting because it's paid hourly, right? Sorry, how, a good sorry I lost you. What was that? Sorry, eight dollars, eight dollars an hour. You're right. Boom. Period. If you're good at your job, you're probably gonna get put on salary. Okay. Cause it's easier for me to like budget. Right. But $8 an hour. And then it goes up from there. We actually used to, cause I mean, in the Philippines and in Uganda and Bangladesh, no Bangladesh, Pakistan, whatever, $6 an hour is really, 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 really good money. So about a year ago, that's where we were starting. We were starting people mm-hmm. if they were outside the U S now my business, is, but if I didn't have anybody in the U S Oh, so you I always was, outsource out the U.S. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, fair. Yeah, I was outsourcing out to the U.S. Um, and now that my business has grown and is in a very different spot, we've upped our base pay, right? And, and obviously most of the people, I, I think we've only hired two people in the last, I don't know, month. So yeah. really it's not like we hire a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, but we upped our yeah. base pay because that was, yeah. you know, how we we're going to do things. And then we move people to salary, which then if you get your job done in in 10 hours a week, I don't care. Cool. You got your job done. Like you're going to get the same salary, right? So we move people to salary, but um, that's what I found. And that's, that's what my business can afford. And it really does, 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 does depend on the task you're, you're doing and how, and the other thing I like to, I like to make sure that people understand this. I hire people that have zero experience. (laughs) Like yeah, they take a lot of training. I teach you not. <laughs> There's a lot of training, and so yeah. having a low hourly is totally mm-hmm. fine because they are just starting out in this section industry, whatever. Yeah. Right. So overall, most of the people that come to me have very, very little experience. Mm-hmm. Not saying that they've never had a job before, but very little experience when it comes to the online sector and yeah. and or what I'm hiring them. so uh, that does make a difference if you're going to be hiring someone that has 10 years of experience or whatever yeah you're you got to be looking at paying you know 20 25 dollars an hour because that's just what you're paying you're paying for their experience i'm not paying for their experience i'm paying for their time and i know that it's going to double how much time it's going to take them to do it because they're gonna have to learn and then do it not just do right and so that's where that pay scale really makes difference because if you pay somebody 25 dollars an hour the idea is they don't need any more learning they know how to do it they're just going to sit down and get it done right so you have to weigh that out right Absolutely. so when i hire when i hire i usually figure that i'm about going to spend about 600 to a thousand dollars a person in training yeah thank um, you so much with, for being honest and transparent and like yeah. totally yeah open to all of this because it's I think it's so important because like if you're like I recently started my own I, I jumped in like I was in corporate like two months ago like my business is you <laughs> yeah. I've been I've been podcasting for a while so for me it's like okay well I can either spend like three grand on a business coach to tell me all of these things mm-hmm. or you know I can listen to podcasts like this and, and be like ah yeah got it that's how I have learned stuff. Um, I was talking to a friend not too long ago and, and she made this point because I, I was like, I don't like, honestly, I don't like business coaches. And she was like, that is because we're true serial entrepreneurs. We like figuring things out for ourselves. I was like, what? And she's like, we don't like being told how to run our businesses. We like figuring it out and making it work for us. She's like, where we need help is mindset and leadership and, you know, things that are not tangible that we are, have to have a second, second view, a second perspective on. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. So I've been trying to like share that as much as possible that, you know, when you go to train yourself as a business owner, really understand who you are and what works for you when it comes to learning. And that comes from some serious personal development over time, right? Because I really, really hate when business coaches come in and say, well, you got to do it this way. I'm like, no, I don't. (laughs) Like, I don't even know. I don't even want to know why you said that. Like, we're not even, we're not even going down that road. Like, I didn't ask you about that, right? So that's really yeah. Jocelyn, it's been so good. Like, I think this is so action-packed and for someone looking to hire, like how, I mean, we can talk about the title of this episode, but there's, there's so much wisdom here that we've given. And I always Keep like, going. I'm such a greedy podcaster because I'm just like, I just want to rinse as much information and wisdom and free content yeah. from my guests. But where can people find you? What kind of projects coming up? Anything you want to plug? Anything, anything that you think our listeners can benefit from. I mean, you will be on the Facebook Insiders group anyway, and you can share more more resources there. But 
anything mm-hmm. else before we finish off? Yeah, so I would love to connect with anyone. I'm always available on Facebook or Instagram DM. You can find me at Jocelyn J. Kopak. So there's that. If you're running, if you listening to this podcast and you're like, bro, wait, I got a question. Don't feel bad messaging me. I'm totally open to that. But uh, I would actually like to give your listeners a gift. So if you go to jocelynjkopak.com slash program, you're going to find a masterclass on things that you should look at for hiring. And making sure your business and also you as a person, as a leader are ready to hire. So if you are, are like listening to this and you're like, yes, yes, yes. Oh shit. I'm stuck. <laughs> like seriously, go, go listen to the masterclass. It's me talking. Aren't you excited? Um, but that's what I would recommend. I'm sure they love your voice, but that's all good. <laughs> right. Hopefully, hopefully you don't find my voice annoying and you go listen, but that's, that's where I would recommend if you're looking for more information on, on like what to do what like where to even start because I know it's such a it's like mind-boggling and a little stressful um when you first hire so that's that's what I would say is go check that out and then of course you know I'm always available on DM if you can't tell I like to talk so (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much I've I've had so much fun and we've overrun but I don't mind because it's so great I didn't even notice (laughs) (laughs) that's all right if you can This podcast is sponsored by Pauline Malabai Consulting. We are an agency that supports visionary CEOs with strategy, coaching, and implementation support. We are their right-hand partners in building and scaling their operations and revenue streams. We give them the space to own their CEO role. If you want to find out more, visit helpmepauline.com and let's continue the conversation. Hey friends, hope you enjoyed this episode of How She Owns It. If you want to be a part of a collective of purpose-driven female visionaries, join our Facebook group, How She Owns It, for insightful conversations, new friendships with fellow CEOs, and tips and tricks to help you in your entrepreneurial journey. Running, building, and scaling a business is hard work, so give yourself credit for owning your definition of success. Now go out and help someone else by subscribing, sharing, and passing this episode on. Give us a review and don't be shy to connect with me on my socials. I can be found at at CEO Pauline Malubai. See you in the next one.